0: reading this morning will come from the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 through 8. Galatians 1 verses 6 through 8. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Wow, it's great to be here. There are some of the most wonderful, loved people in all the world here at the Katy congregation. There are a lot of us who are preachers that think of the Katy congregation as one of our favorite congregations. Been here at least six times for gospel meetings. I guess you live a long time, you get to do something like that more than once. Spoken at a men's retreat. Done a marriage seminar here with my wife, Cherie, in years past. Done weddings for the congregation here in this facility. Done funerals, too. Every time I think about this congregation, I think about your love for God. I think about the talent that exists in this congregation and the great desire to get the good news of Jesus out to others. God bless you. It's so good to be with you again. Best news ever. That expression can be used in a lot of different contexts. Best news ever. But the gospel of Jesus really is the best news ever. The Bible is a book by God, about God, and the relationship He wants to have with us. That makes the Word of God the most important book in all the world, and it's not even close. The Bible is a book by God, about God, and the relationship He wants to have with us. I'm so grateful for the songs Larry Boyd led us in this morning, especially their emphasis on the holiness of God and the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus. We cannot lose sight of that and the book of Galatians will not allow us to lose sight of that. We need to first stress who God is and what God has done and why God has done it before we stress what we must do and how we should respond to God. Let me put that out there again for you to let sink in a little bit. We must stress who God is and what God is like and why God does what he does before we stress how we should respond to him and what needs to be done in response to him. The gospel is the gospel of liberty. For freedom did Christ set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and don't be entangled again in a yoke of bondage. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. This morning, I'd like for us to think about together the gospel of liberty. The gospel of liberty. If you were to study the word gospel in the New Testament, you would find the noun occurs 76 times. And the verb, 54. Grand total of 130 times. And when you look at the word gospel, it frequently occurs in the book of Galatians. And as a matter of fact, if you just read the first two chapters you're going to see the word gospel occurring about 12 times or proclaiming good news. What I'd like to think about with you this morning as it concerns the gospel are four planks of the gospel, first of all. You're not going to build on Jesus and His gospel appropriately without emphasizing these four planks. Then we're going to focus on 10 core principles about the the value of the gospel. And then we're going to focus a little bit on the book of Galatians and what it says about the gospel, especially... Galatians 1, 1 through 5. Now, I've kind of told you where we're going, and we'll get there pretty fast. But we want to lift up Jesus and His gospel as we look at Galatians. That's exactly what Paul does. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else but Jesus and His gospel. Are you with me? I'm going to look at what the gospel is because Galatians is especially looking at threats to the gospel in the form of Judaizing teachers that were trying to mix Jesus and the gospel with the law of Moses. All right, four planks. Plank number one, the gospel is... The eternal purpose of God. The gospel is the eternal purpose of God. The eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ, Ephesians 3, 9 through 11. It's the eternal purpose of God. And what I mean by that is this. It's about... Promise and fulfillment. It is the story of God and how He wants to have a relationship with us. When we're talking about the Old Testament, it's dealing with promise and fulfillment, ultimately in Jesus. The story is a story of shadow and substance of a shadow and reality in Jesus. But it has to do with the eternal purpose of God. Plank number two. The gospel is about the eternal purpose of God in Christ Jesus. That would be news to some people because they didn't really think that you needed Jesus and the gospel to get over the problem of sin. They wanted the law of Moses, perhaps. They wanted something else. But in Christ Jesus, each one of these four planks, man, if you study each one, it would really be mind-blowing. But when we talk about in Christ Jesus, we're talking about the fact that Jesus is fully God, fully man, yet without sin. He came to this world and became fully man, yet without sin. He is God-man. That's what the Bible would indicate, John 1, 1 1-18. Next. And thinking about Jesus as the one in whom the eternal purpose of God really is focused for us to be right with God, to have a relationship with God. He's Lord and Savior. He's the Lord. He's the King. But He's also the Savior. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, Revelation 19, 16. But the Savior... He will save His people from their sins, Matthew 1, 21-25. God, man, Lord, and Savior, and then especially in a book like Hebrews, which is a masterful New Testament treatment of the Old Testament. Jesus is the ultimate prophet, the ultimate priest, the ultimate king. The eternal purpose of God in Christ Jesus. Plank number three. The gospel is the eternal purpose of God in Christ Jesus, making possible our salvation, our forgiveness, our relationship with God. There's a lot to grasp in that making possible our salvation, our forgiveness, our relationship with God. And years ago, the older people uh, would hear sermons like this. You'll remember them: that God in His grace provided the sacrifice and that man has to respond to God's great provision in Jesus, His gracious provision through faith. That is true, not because it was taught back in the old days. It's true because it's biblical. Grace through faith. Galatians 2 and verse 16. And when you think about that, it involves what Jesus did in going to the cross, what Jesus did in being raised from the dead, and how He's exalted at the right hand of God now. Acts 2, 30 through 36. Oh, I realize that for most of you, this is old news, but it's still really good news. Best news ever. And one responds to this grace through faith by loving, humble obedience. The obedience of faith, Romans 1, 5, and 6. That involves Repentance and baptism based on that faith, Galatians 3 and verse 24 through 27. What that means is we have fellowship with God, a relationship with God, with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have a relationship with God because of what God has provided as we embrace that in faith It means we're part of a community. That we're part of a family. The great family of God and that we really are connected by the blood of Jesus. That brings me to the fourth plank. And I want people to think about this because I'm aware that there are people here that are our guests... I'm aware that there are relatively new Christians here. I'm aware that many of you have been Christians for some time. But it seems to me that there has been a tendency to stress Planks 3 and 4, the one that I'm about to mention, maybe to the lack of emphasizing Planks 1 and 2, the eternal purpose of God In Christ Jesus, providing salvation, forgiveness, fellowship, and a relationship with God and with one another. Showing us plank number four, how to live and love to the glory of God. Now here's what I was saying earlier. It is quite easy to stress what people need to do by way of response and how people need to live in a way that is holy and reflects a proper desire to be pleasing to God. That is important. It is essential. However, people first must see the eternal purpose of God in Christ and how God seeks to have a relationship with us. And Larry, I'll put it this way, how a holy God longs to relate to what is unholy and sinful and stained. The message of that is a message everybody needs to hear. And we pray that more and more embrace. That's the four planks. I can tell someone what they need to do to be saved. Acts 16.30, it's a biblical question. It has a biblical answer. But we can talk to them about faith and repentance and baptism. But if they are not moved by what God has done to have a relationship with us then we have told them what they needed to do and why before they really understood the great purpose of God and who He is and what He's like in revealing Himself and what He's done in sending Jesus. And it is one thing to convert someone to the necessity of baptism, but one may do that without converting someone to Jesus Christ. In Scripture, however, they go together. Now, ten core principles. I want to keep looking at the gospel, that concept, but I want to look at it from a different angle. We looked at those four planks. The gospel, number one, is an announcement. It is an announcement of good news involving grace from God and peace from God. Luke chapter 2, verses 9 through 14. The gospel is an announcement, and it ought to be heralded in every place, most of all within the churches of Christ. Secondly, the gospel is a person. You will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us, He shall save his people from from their sins. Matthew 1 21 through 25. The gospel is an announcement, but just as true, the gospel is a person. It is wrapped in the person of Jesus. Third, the gospel is a plan. A plan. Titus 1 verse 2, in hope of eternal life which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. The gospel is a plan. A plan that originated in the mind of God before time began to save us in Jesus. An announcement A person, a plan, number four. A lot of material, but I hope I have it out in a way that you can get most of it. An event. In order for men who were in sin to become holy, God came down. God came down and walked among us. Think about that. Peter would say he did no sin, neither was there guile found in his mouth. First Peter chapter 2. He never said anything that he shouldn't have. He never did anything sinful. And every day as he lived, he showed people what God is like. what God is like he came down the incarnation sometimes we we're self sufficient we're independent and what Jesus and his gospel does to that what it does to that is obliterate it because we all are made aware of how much we need Jesus and what He makes possible through the cross. It's an event. That was four, wasn't it? Number five, the gospel is an achievement. while He is on that cross. And you know, the Lord's Supper is a time of reflection and remembrance. But it ought to be a time of celebration too and victory because sin has been effectively dealt with. Salvation has been brought down. And when Jesus is on the cross, what He cries out in John 19.30 is, It is finished! Unholy humanity can be holy. Sinners can be cleansed. The dead can be made alive in Christ. The dead in sin... The gospel is an achievement. Number six, the gospel is an offer—an offer of life, of rescue, of deliverance, of grace. Ephesians two eight and nine. It is an offer. If Jesus loved me and gave Himself for me so that I could have a relationship with God, Galatians 2.20, how will you respond to that offer? I remember this a long time ago. still makes a lot of sense to me. This young man has been really paying attention, trying to stick along with me. We're at number five or six, aren't we? Okay. I got a 20 right here. It's all yours. You know, it didn't take him long to reach for that. (laughs) I mean, he snatched that out of my hand. Now, did he earn it? Did he? No. We've never met, have we? No. No. He didn't earn it. He responded... (laughs) He responded with what I would call love and devotion. There was commitment in the response. And I want you to know that the illustration, the analogy, almost becomes blasphemous, but you get the point. That's yours. Don't try to give it back to me. I didn't have to cram it down his his, his throat. I didn't have to stick it in his pocket. I didn't have to try to fight him over it. And I'm sure glad about that. But anyway, he took it. How much more should we respond to what God provides for us in Jesus? Can I get an amen there? And who in the right mind wouldn't? Who in their right mind wouldn't? Now you got to keep it because that's the illustration. All right? (laughs) It is an offer, which brings me to the next it is a response. A response with the awareness that we didn't deserve it, that we couldn't merit it. What God does in Jesus we don't deserve, we can't merit. Some of us as Christians kind of are so full of ourselves, we think God's mighty lucky to have us on his team, huh? Oh, how blessed we are to be part of the family of God. How good God is to provide for us through Jesus And the response is a response of faith, acting in love and looking to God's promises in Jesus and saying, Thank you. I'll take that. I want that. The obedience of faith, a faith that works through love, Galatians 5 and verse 6. It's a response. Turn to your Bibles in your Bibles please to 1 Peter 3:18. Here is another aspect of the gospel. The gospel is relational. Jesus died the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, market. There's the relationship. There's sinful people, people with a past, people with guilt, people with hang ups, people with pride issues brought to God through the gospel of Jesus. Again, So something is restored. Something, a relationship that was broken and disarray is restored through Jesus and His gospel. couple of more quickly. The gospel is a way of life. The gospel is a way of life. What does that mean? Philippians 1.27 Let your manner of life, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Paul would say that whether I come to see you or be absent, I hear of your state. You stand fast with one spirit, with one soul, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Brother Joe Simmons is what what he's saying. As a Christian, you love and delight to try to make your life with God's help. Your life corresponds to the weight and the value and the preciousness of the gospel. That's what every child of God should desire. May my life correspond to the weight and value and preciousness of Jesus and the good news. i tell you what, we could just pray that right back to God, couldn't we? When I get caught up and get sad or get overwhelmed, help my life to reflect Jesus and to correspond to the weight and value of the gospel. Finally, the gospel is transforming. It's transforming. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 1 and look at verses 3 through 14. This has the distinction of being the longest sentence in the New Testament in Greek. It he says a mouthful. He unpacks No telling how many truckloads of truth as he's dealing with our salvation, as he's dealing with the Trinity, as he's dealing with great concepts like predestination and being chosen and being in God's family, etc. But three times you see something about the transforming nature of Jesus and his message. And here it is. Verse 6 Verse 12, verse 14, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of the glory of his grace. He is unpacking great depth biblically, but he has to stop and praise God And the study of theology, the study of God, ought to lead to doxology. Praise. Last point, and it's a quickie. Go to Galatians. When Paul begins a book, many people tend to skim over the beginning and the conclusion. Don't do that. Because in Galatians 1, as a prime example, he's telling us exactly why he's writing. He is writing because of the godness of the gospel, first of all. The Father and the Son. Other passages throughout the book of Galatians would refer to the Spirit's involvement. But salvation... The gospel is a Trinitarian endeavor. God wanting to be known and pursued by us. Secondly, this passage, Galatians 1, 1-5, says that the gospel is a message. It talks about the will of God. Paul says, I'm an apostle and I have a message, not from men and by men, but from God. Look again at Galatians 1 1 through 5. He says that this message involves the resurrection and the crucifixion of Jesus. He wants everybody that's reading this to understand this is what he's talking about. No Jesus, no promise. No Jesus, no salvation. No Jesus, no hope. Notice Galatians 1 1 through 5, and this is number 4. This one passage the gospel makes us family brothers and sisters, what makes us part of the church of Jesus Christ. Again. The gospel is about grace and peace. The gospel involves grace and peace. Peace with God, peace with one another, peace within... All due to God's grace. But finally, the gospel is to result in God being praised and glorified. See that? How can you say no? How can you say no to Jesus and the gospel? It's about God's eternal plan in Jesus Christ to save and deliver and offer forgiveness and make us part of His family so that we as His children, God's children, can praise and live and love Him forever. How can you say no? You respond to the grace of God in faith, that's what Galatians teaches. You respond to the grace of God in repentance, that's what the book of Galatians and the New Testament elsewhere would teach. You respond to the gospel of Jesus by putting on Christ in baptism, Galatians 3.27, and becoming part of the New Testament church the church for which Jesus died. You've listened well. We've had a lot of material. Hopefully, you caught most of it. But as we stand and sing, let's encourage one another in view of eternity. And it really is the best news ever. Let's stand and sing.